It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, December 18th, 2014. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Looking forward to a a good discussion. Uh, a follow-up, a kind of a follow-up to what was a big hot topic last week. It was a hot topic. And last so week. Uh, lots of uh, lots look- of uh, lots of participation during the program yeah. and some participation afterwards on the, on the women preacher, uh, yeah. woman preacher in. Yeah, Florida, last week we talked about the news that had come out of a, a neighboring city to us here in Columbia, Tennessee, mm-hmm. Franklin, Tennessee, just to our north. A church there, a Church of Christ, had hired a woman as a preaching intern. Yes. No, I, I assume that means to teach and train her to be a preacher. Yes. And uh, so they had put a video out on the Internet and uh, explaining their decision to do so. So basically what we did was just take their own words and, and analyze them. Right. Uh, I, would, I would be willing to use the word we, we critique them. Okay. In other words, we found, we found a lot of fault with what they used as justification for a, a – a woman preacher, and so we felt it was a, a worthy discussion, and we thought it was a justifiable discussion. You know, Jacob, if you and I are having a private conversation and I discuss something that maybe I've been thinking about but I'm not too sure about, but, you know, this has been on my mind, I may not want you to go and publicize that to the world. Yeah, did you hear he, he thinks it's okay to lie? Yeah. Yeah. No, if if we're just in a private conversation, that may not be a thing for right. you to yeah. to trumpet to the world. But I tell you, if if a group like the Fourth Avenue Church of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee, wants to put a video out on the internet for everybody to see, expressing their understanding about women preachers in the church, then I I think that it's fair game for anybody and everybody to comment on what they said. They they put it out there. That's well, what they wanted. Let's go a little more extreme. Let's say Billy Graham, you know, several years ago when he was active in his crusades, he comes out and in his crusade says, all you got to do is believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you're saved. Do we have to go talk to Billy Graham one-on-one about that, or can we just, can we just pre- preach Billy Graham is an error and here's what he taught? Yeah. If, if I make... And I think all teachers need to, if you're going to teach publicly, then you need to understand that if people disagree, they will say so, and they have a right to say so. We, we accept that responsibility. We've got an example of that in Galatians chapter 2, where Peter was uh, involved with those Judaizing teachers. Paul rebuked him to the face in front of others. Yeah. Uh, didn't take the time to, to get him one-on-one, because this is a public action Peter was doing if so we're out there publicly. teaching and preaching publicly, then we need to be prepared to receive the, the criticism that may come from yeah. that. The passage you're thinking of there, Galatians chapter 2, Jacob, um, verse 11, when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Yeah. Uh, and he said uh, uh, that 
you know, he went on to explain what yeah, Peter had done wrong. Verse 14, he, he said this to Peter before them all. So he's in front of everyone. He's yeah. saying, Peter, you're wrong, and here's yeah. why. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, the, in the book of James, chapter 3, verse 1, uh, James says, my brethren, be not many masters. The word there is better translated teachers. Mm-hmm. My brethren, be not many teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation or accountability. The mm-hmm. idea there is of accountability. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to teach, accept the reality that people who disagree, who think there's a flaw in your teaching, will feel compelled to comment about it. In the chat room, guest 4517 says, so if someone disagrees with you in your preaching, do they have to speak to you personally about it, or can the brethren just get together without your knowledge and talk about it? Well, we're going to hang on to that question, because that's one of the things we're going to talk about in the right way to handle our disagreements. Yeah. Uh, But I will say that public teaching does not demand, in every instance, a one-on-one now, I, I don't need to be going around gossiping about somebody. I don't need to be going around slandering someone or, or being divisive. In other words, if the preacher said something that I disagree with, <clears throat> I should go talk to him. Yeah. But I don't have to talk to him before I go to the elders and say, Brethren, did you hear that false doctrine he just espoused? Yeah. You know, I am not duty-bound to follow Matthew 18. You know, there's a there's a, there's a a procedure that Jesus outlined in Matthew 18. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, if my brother sins against me, I go to him one-on-one. Yeah. Uh, if he won't hear me, I take two or three with me. Yeah. If he won't hear them, I put it before the whole church. Yeah. But in the case of a preacher who stands before a group or someone who puts something out on the Internet, you've already reached stage three. Yeah. Everybody already knows about it. And so they don't have to go about it one-on-one. Well, let's just say, for instance, you Sunday you get up to talk and uh, you, you, you tell everyone that it's it's not a sin to commit adultery. Well, you better believe I'm coming to talk to you. But as I get out of my pew on the way to the back of the building to talk to you, I'm probably going to talk to the people along the way and say, I can't believe what he just said. Yeah. What a, what a, what a heresy is he teaching? Yeah. I, so, yeah. And the, you're going to bring the elders with you, and yeah, you're going you're yeah. to tar and feather me and run me out of town on a rail. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, okay. So, I got a little <laughs> sidetracked there. Right. But people do. I, I, I think we got overwhelming agreement about the things we said on, on the program last week. Yeah. But we did get a couple, at least a couple of negative comments. One person wrote in and says, you have a very sideways view on this topic. And I was offended by your sexism. Well, so, uh, and, and then went on to say, men and women are equal. We believe that. We said that and at we the said it. program, yeah. yes, and that we do respect women. Uh, but we just said that just because we may have different roles doesn't mean that there's different value. That men and women are equal in the sight of God. In, in matter of, of, of spiritual value, they're every bit as valuable as a man, and we believe that, and we, we cherish that truth. But it's just a question of the roles God has assigned. You know, I'm equal with President Obama. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just every, every bit as equal yeah. with him in regards to humanity. But there's a lot of things that he is allowed to do that I'm not allowed to do. Yeah. You know, that doesn't mean he's more valuable than me or his life is more precious than mine or anything like that. But he has a, a totally different role than I have, and I accept that, and, and we understand that. He's not any more human than you are. Though. Right. All right. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter twenty, First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the fact that we're different members. We have different roles and responsibilities, and we're all uh, equally valuable as members of the body. Uh, so, so it is. A, it, I'll tell you, it's just, it is a skew that that we have the idea uh, that uh, you have to have the same roles and fulfill the same functions in the body, or else you're not equal. 
And so the, the sort of summarizing this, 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 uh, what we want to talk about tonight is an outcropping of that discussion we had last week in which we discussed the woman preacher at the Fourth Avenue Church in Franklin, Tennessee. Like I said, I think the vast majority, we had a tremendous listenership. We ran out of seats in our streaming uh, by, uh, provider. Uh, the video on our website has been hit incredibly. Lots of people have watched it. In fact, I think our video probably may be the only place left on the Internet where you can still see that uh, uh, video that was put out by the Fourth Avenue Church of Christ because they've taken it off of every uh, video site that they had it posted on. But we still have it in our archive, and if you want to see that, you can. And it's been viewed just a ton of times, uh, probably been viewed in, in this week. Uh, the one-week viewing is probably one of the top episodes of the Virgin Bible Study that we've done in a long, long time. Okay. Now, we had people who disagreed with us during that program, and uh, we we had uh, we had some give and take, I think, and even after the program. I, I missed in, the the, chat room. in the chat room. Some, I missed some of those comments after we were working, after the program was over. People disagree with us. I think it was a, a cordial discussion, but we got a, an email that was somewhat negative towards us on uh, the way that we handled it. Yeah, and, and I want to comment about briefly. I want to identify the author uh, at their request, but uh, just didn't didn't agree with us, but but said that we were wrong to be bashing other people's religion. And we'll, we'll comment about. I want to read that quote a little bit later, but that made me think, Jacob, mm-hmm. that. As a follow-up, we ought to talk about how can we, how should we handle things when we disagree religiously. And did we handle them acceptably last week? Yeah. In other words, we had a specific situation in which we were seriously in disagreement with the Fourth Avenue Church of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, they'd made a decision that we believed was unscriptural and unauthorized. What should we do? Yeah. How should we handle that? And so, uh, you know, some thought that maybe we didn't handle it right. And we're certainly not perfect people, we, and we can make errors in that. So I yeah. thought a worthy topic would be how should we handle religious differences and disagreements. All right. So earlier today to our update list, I sent out these questions, and we always tell you if you're not on our update list, get on it by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Put add me to the list uh, in your subject line, and we'll do that. Every Thursday you'll get the news of what our topic will be that night. And you'll get some questions, and we start seeking feedback about noon on Thursday. To our update list today, I sent these questions. Number one, can we ever judge someone else to be wrong in religious matters? And then deal in answering that, deal especially with Matthew 7, verse 1. Question two, is unity and diversity possible? Yes or no, why or why not? Three, what would be some wrong attitudes and actions if, if one disagrees? In other words, in other words, I disagree. How might I handle that in a wrong way? Number four, what are the proper attitudes and actions if I disagree? In other words, you said something I don't agree. How should I, how should I, what would be the right way to handle that? And then, I think very importantly, number five, how should I react if I'm the one on the receiving end of the criticism? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's the way we'll go about it tonight. All right. We'll look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com and in the chat room. Uh, if you'd like to sign in there with other listeners, the conversation is already going there, and uh, we welcome your comments there. Dan is here behind the controls. Dan, 
Thank you for coming tonight. Thank you, Jacob, for letting me be here. Look forward to you raising your hand as we go along as well. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, there was there's a question in the chat room, and, and I think it's the same <laughs> guest, guest 4517 is the same one who posed this question last week. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's kind of off topic for tonight. The question is about women speaking up during announcements when the congregation is assembled. And I don't really want to get off on the question of women speaking in in the assemblies again. However, just a quick response to that. Can I, women I, speak up during the, the, the Women are not commanded to be mute. Mm-hmm. In the, now, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34 says, uh, Let your women keep silence in the church, for it is not permitted them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Just for, for those who'd like to study it further, that's a classic not-but construction. The... What they're not permitted to do is modified by what they are commanded to do. They're commanded to be under obedience. And so they can't speak in any way that would cause them to not be in obedience. But women sing in the assembly, so they're not silent. The silence there is not utter silence. Yeah. It's a silent, a silence in regards to speaking that would be put them out of submission, yeah. not under obedience. Yes. Now, in regards to could they raise a hand while the announcements are being made? Say, oh, brother, brother Jones is in the hospital, fell last night and broke his leg. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily think that would be speaking, which would be out of subjection. But the judgment has typically been, let's just don't do that, and then we don't have to wonder about it. Yeah, yeah. And if I was a woman, that's definitely the course, the recourse I would take. Yeah. Uh, but you know, is it a, is it wrong if you're making the announcements and you know? brother so-and-so's wife is there in the front row you say brother so-and-so doing any better and and she says yes he's better is that no i don't think it necessarily is but again i think good practice good judgment my my judgment is don't do it yeah and then you don't have to wonder about it same here all right right. that helps 4517 if it it doesn't uh let us know all All right. right okay all right so let's go to this first question where are we at oh man we're almost up to our first break Let's get to this question about is it ever right to judge someone else to be wrong in religious matters? Now, the verse that always comes up whenever the word judging is introduced is Matthew 7, verse 1. It it unfortunately has to be one of the most, even people who don't know the Bible at all know Matthew 7, 1. They couldn't find it, but they know what it says. Judge not that you be not judged. Yeah. Everybody can reference that. And Brendan in Forest Grove, Oregon, has attached a photo to. This may be the first time it's ever happened. A picture with his email response, and uh-huh. he says that he thinks that this picture demonstrates how. Uh, I wish we could put it up on the screen how people handle Matthew seven verse one, and it's all scribbled out. You know, and they just people do trample all over it and just totally butcher the passage. Yeah, and, and it's completely uh, misused. Um, the, the kind of judging that Jesus is forbidding there, we've talked about this dozens of times on the virtual Bible study, but the kind of judging that he is forbidding there is a, a hypocritical and hypercritical kind of judging. He goes on to describe it. He says, uh, why, verse 3, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Now, the picture there is, that's old English in the King James. The moat yes. is just a, a, a speck. I'm looking at my brother, and he's just got a little speck in his eye. But I have a beam, a big log sticking out of my eye. I'm trying to help him without addressing my own problem. Yep. And and so Jesus said, how will I say to the brother, let me pull out the moat out of thine eye, and behold, the beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly 
to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Now, if I'm going to cast any motes out of an eye, I've got to do some discerning and some judging. Judging. And, and then, of course, in the same context, this is all from the Sermon on the Mount, of course. But when you get down to verse 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Well, in other words, he tells me, beware of false teachers. And how will I know them? By judging their fruits. Hey, I'm no one to say if that's wrong or not. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be judging someone. And verse 20, he says, by their fruits you shall know them. And so, again, Matthew 7, verse 1 is badly used. Jesus himself very often criticized people for their religion. I mean, anybody who's read the life of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John knows how often he came right at the religious leaders and practitioners of his day. And Matthew 23 is the classic text. And uh, repeated times in Matthew 23, and it's worth reading, he says, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. And he says that over and over again in talking about all the flaws that they had. He called them whited sepulchers. Uh, He called them um, uh, uh, vipers and, and so forth. And so Jesus was very critical of people and their religious error. Yeah. All right. We need to take a break. When we get back, we'll take our listeners' responses, and we'll take your responses in the chat room as well. Can we ever judge someone else to be wrong in religious matters? Is it a violation of Matthew 7, verse 1? We have been, we have been accused of wrongly judging, and we judge others in religious matters. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects, and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Remember, life's only remote control is the one between your ears. No man has made the right approach to God until he understands the importance of small things. People are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyway. Courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. When others refuse to be accountable for their actions, it's easy to see the problem. It's harder to see it, however, when we're the ones who are making excuses. Our great challenge is to maintain consistency between our principles and our practice. We must be willing to accept the consequences of everything we do. Most of us jump into the blame game far too eagerly. None of us is anything more than a work in progress. Man, wish I'd said that. 
Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. Back on the program tonight as we talk about how to handle religious disagreements, and is it wrong to say other people are wrong religiously? Well, that in and of itself may be an answer to the question, how would it be wrong to say others are wrong when they say... They're wrong. We've got some good uh, response in the chat room. John in Oklahoma says, when I was in math class, the teacher often judged my answers wrong. The principle is the same. The right answer automatically judges the incorrect answer to be wrong. Showing someone the truth will judge any error they may be embraced. Uh, They may have embraced. I think he's exactly right. And uh, Brendan in Oregon has emailed and is also in the chat room. He says, I tend to say, well, you could be right and I could be right, but God is always right, so let's consider God's word. Yeah. Thank you, Brendan. And guest 4517 says, if they cannot give book, chapter, and verse, then it's indicative they have not studied it thoroughly. I always ask them if they can reference the verse, and if not, then I call them out. Most of the time, people agree that they really haven't studied the issue. And I think we're going to see some of that from some of the other comments that we get to here a little, a little later as we go on. All right. We'll look forward to hearing from you again, 877-381-4567. And uh, we have some emails. Uh, Ramona in Texas says, It's not uh, telling us in Matthew 7, verse 1, never to make decisions and draw conclusions. But in Matthew 7, verse 2, she references, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, what goes around comes around, so be careful. We should not be hypocritical in our judgment of others, Matthew 7, 3 through 5. We need to reflect on our own actions first. Lack of self-reflection is damaging to the church, Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the same, very same things. That's an interesting passage to tie into this discussion, Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Not condemning them for judging, but for condemning them for the hypocritical judgment there in Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Yeah. And then a passage that we've got to bring to the table here tonight, Matthew, John 7, verse 24, she referenced. Do not judge by appearances, or look. Or she references the New Literal Translation, look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. But John chapter 7, verse 24 goes on and says... Judge righteous judgment. So the yeah. command there is to judge. Just make yeah. sure you're doing yeah. it correctly. You know, I've got I've got that in, scribbled in the margin at Matthew seven one because it is the definitive answer to that. I think John seven twenty four. Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Right. So I mean, that's what we're commanded to judge. Uh, our friend Chris in England, uh, he's been out for a few weeks. I think he had a rather serious medical procedure done. He says he's still recovering, but he's got a, got an answer for us tonight. Glad you're back, uh, Chris, and hope that listening tonight doesn't set you back any. <laughs> yeah, maybe. He says, can we ever judge someone else to be wrong in religious matters? He's, he said, Jesus asked us to judge fruit later, right after Matthew 7 1. So he yep. says, yes, we can judge. He references James 4, 11 and 12, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. And also Romans 2, verse 1, that Ramona did. So he says, yeah, we, we've got to be able to judge. We're commanded to judge. All right. Thank you for that, Chris. And Brendan in the chat room and in his email tonight, thank you, Brendan, from Forest Grove, Oregon, says uh, he references the whole context of Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 and through 5. And that's really what we've got to do when someone goes there to Matthew 7, verse 1 and takes it out of context. We need to take them back to the context and show them that it can't mean what they're saying it means. Exactly. Uh, he says Jesus goes on to tell us how to be weary, uh, to, tells us to be weary of how, on how we judge, because that is going to be the same that we bring on ourselves. 
Uh, he also tells us in verse 5 that we should first settle or deal with our own problems first, or at least be making progress before we point out someone else's problems or errors. Or if our error is bigger than another, a log versus their speck, we should probably think twice before we judge. Thank you, Brendan. Uh, Randy in Swartz Creek, Michigan, uh uh, mentions the context again. He says Matthew 7, 1 through 5 is talking about personal judgments, the using of our own standards, the standards that we are to follow are those given to us by God's holy word. We read in Matthew 7, 6, Give not that which is holy to the dog, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. It is through God's word only, then we can make the judgment of who are dogs and swine. The only way we can know the judgments of God is to read them and learn his holy word and handle it aright. Jesus said in John 8, verse 31 and 32, uh, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and truth shall make you free. Our Lord Jesus said we can know the truth, and I believe him. We are never to judge using our own standards. Our Heavenly Father, through his holy word, has given us the standards to which we are to judge all things. I think that's, I think that's a fair point. It is not that we should be making personal judgments, but the word of God. You know, when, when for instance... Let's say we're dealing with the sin of homosexuality. If I reference Romans chapter 1, uh, the last part of that chapter, which is so specifically identifies the sin of homosexuality, then I'm not the one who's making that judgment. The Word of God has made that judgment. I think, I think Randy's exactly right in that regard. All right. Uh, let us know your thoughts, 877-381-4567. So, yes, it's acceptable to ju- make judgments in matters of religious uh, discussions. Now, let's not, miss the, let's not miss what Jesus is telling us here. We've got to judge righteous judgments. We can't make hypocritical judgments. And, and but we, if we can't judge, then we can't imitate Jesus. That's right. But we need to do it in the right way, but we must be judging. We, we've been commanded to judge, John seven twenty four. We should be imitating Jesus, as you referenced his, his stern condemnation of those who are in religious error. So, yes, it is acceptable to judge in matters of religion. Yeah. And we could reference Paul, too. You know, he was the book of First Corinthians. He, he discusses many issues that existed in the church at Corinth. But I'm re- referencing First mm-hmm. Corinthians 11, uh, verse 22, when he says, What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? He's talking about their violations in the observance of the Lord's Supper. He says, What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Yeah. Uh, in I cha- thought a little bit earlier yeah. in chapter five, yeah, exactly, uh, where he's uh, he's really he's condemning them for their acceptance of the man who had his father's wife, and he said in verse four, in the name of the Lord Jesus, uh, sorry, in verse three, for indeed as absent in the body but present spirit, I have already judged in the matter. He says, so he'd already made a determination. You guys are wrong, and here's what you need to do to fix it. Exactly. All right. All right, well, uh, we could probably talk all night about that, judging, whether it's right to judge. I, uh, we've dealt with that issue before on the virtual Bible study. I, I don't know. I, it seems like people are not listening to our explanation of that, but uh, I believe that's the right explanation, and, and I don't uh, – you can't if, – well, we'll get to this. You can't just say, I don't agree with you about that. Well, if you don't agree with our conclusion about judging, show us why. Yeah, that, that would be your burden, to show us why. And I think you may have proven the point. If you say you disagree with us in the matter of judging, you've shown that it's okay to judge. By the very fact, you're saying making that statement. But now, I think the reason why we're having trouble and we have to keep going back to this subject is the next question you ask, and that is the idea of unity and diversity, because that drum is being beaten so loud right now in our society that we all just need to accept anything and everything. Yeah. 
We ask question two, is unity in diversity possible? Yes or no, why or why not? In the video that we analyzed last week, that was very much suggested. The idea, well, if you don't agree, it's okay. You, If you're comfortable doing it that way and we're comfortable doing it this way, just do whatever. We are, And the, the lady that was sitting on the couch there saying, you know, we are, we're tripping we and stumble, but we're embracing all this, and, and we just want to, you know, anything goes. Yeah. Well, what about unity and diversity? I have one email from Keith who said, in regards to unity and diversity, what other type of unity is there? I, I, I was really surprised by that answer. He says, there could, there could be unity in conformity, I suppose. That seems to be what has happened among many ultra-conservative churches of Christ. So Keith is taking the position that the only kind of unity we can have is unity in diversity. Uh, what about that? Well, I don't think that's, I don't, I think that's somewhat of an oxymoron, uh, uh, to, that you, there, there could be unity and diversity. We need the unity that Jesus prayed for in John, cha- in John chapter 17 verse 21, uh, where he prayed that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. That's the kind of unity that, that is our is our model. Our goal is to be united like Jesus and the Father yeah. are united. Yeah. There's not a difference. They're, they're in perfect unison in every regard. Yeah, the Father doesn't say there, there shouldn't be women preachers, and Jesus says, well, I think it's okay. The father doesn't say homosexuality is wrong, and Jesus says, no, it's okay. We can homosexuality. That's not the kind of unity that they're in perfect harmony, right. and that's what Jesus prayed for. That Jesus didn't say, among my followers, dear God, let everyone do their own thing. I just want them to get along. Just get along just respect, I want them and respect one right, another. Right, right, right. No, he said, I want them to be one, like you and I are one. And he actually says that that will help convince the world that you sent me. You know, all this religious division that exists among people who identify themselves as Christians is actually detrimental to the spreading of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Right, right, because people can't find it. It's not the identifying factor that people can use to determine that we are the followers of Christ and his disciples. Yeah. Now, uh, Brendan uh, referenced a passage that uh, it does tell us to be unified, but notice he references Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. It wants us to be unified. But uh, the, the keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And it goes on and lists some things that are one that we've got to agree on, that we can't have diversity of opinion on. One for Lord, one faith, one baptism, so forth and so yeah, on. Yeah. Good passage there. And Nick yeah. in the chat room makes, an, uh, I think, a worthy point. Unity and diversity is possible where God allows it. Yes. Uh, it's not possible when unity ignores God's specific truth. He has allowed diversity where opinion is allowed by the word of God. For instance, here at College View... We begin our our meetings on Sunday morning at 9.30. Yeah. But there are some other groups in this area that begin at 9, yeah. some that begin at 10. Right. Well, that's an area where God lets us be different. Right. And I, I, don't ha- I don't have a bone to pick with those who want to start earlier or later. Yeah. It's, it's not an issue. Right. That's, those are areas of allowed expediency. Yeah. But in areas where God has specified what we must do, for instance, um, instrumental music and worship. We got to have agreement. How yeah. can we? How can we? How can we be different and be united? Yeah. Um, you know, Paul said to the Corinthians that that, that in in First Corinthians chapter one, verse ten, I beseech you, brethren, that by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. He didn't say, oh, just everyone. 
believe what you want, do what you want, just respect each other. Yeah. That's not what he said. Yeah. In fact, when there was when when he himself was uh, dealing with some controversy when he made a trip to Jerusalem to address the Judaizing teachers that were in Jerusalem, some of them tried to cause him grief, and he said, Galatians two verse five. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Paul's reaction to those false teachers was he didn't tolerate them, not for a moment. That right. was not unity and diversity. Right, right. And now, s- well, go ahead. one passage that comes that's going to come to the discussion when we talk about this has got to be Romans chapter fourteen, where uh, there there are differences of uh, of practice there, but in areas of uh, of scruples and of, of personal judgments. That's right. And, but they were areas that were identifiable as not sinning one way or the For instance, he talked about eating of meats. I happen to think that the eating of meats in Romans 14 is the eating of meats offered to idols. Yeah. It had already been revealed when Paul wrote to first, the, the letter of 1 Corinthians, in, in 1 Corinthians 8 and 10, it had been revealed that it was okay to eat meats offered to idols. Now he says if the person serving it to you tries to make a big deal out of that, then he mm-hmm. says don't. Yeah. For their sake, not for your sake, but for yeah. their sake. But there were still some who had a scruple about doing that. So it's not a sin not to eat meat. Right. He, he already said it's not a sin to eat meat. But he used that as an example where we can respect one another's personal opinions and judgments and scruples. Uh, but... Romans 14 does not apply in areas where sin is involved. That's right. It's not a doctrinal issue. We're not unified in different uh, uh, doctrines. We're unified on a doctrine that this is a matter of judgment that we can allow uh, for uh, some variance on. Yeah. All right. We need to catch another break, Jacob, and then we're going to have to hurry on to get some of these other topics. All right. Uh, When we get back, we'll take your thoughts on this idea of unity and diversity, and then we're going to get to the idea of how should we disagree with others? What would be some wrong ways to disagree with others? Because you can't do it in the wrong way. We want to talk about that. Uh, so we'll get your thoughts right after this week's bullet point. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study right after these important messages. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. Recently in the news, we have been informed about intelligence-gathering activities by various agencies of our federal government. Some of these actions have included the use of torture techniques to obtain vital information from terrorists. Political pundits have been debating about the usefulness of such techniques and whether or not our country should use such measures. Many have questioned the advisability of revealing this information, especially to our enemies. The details of these torture methods are sickening to read. While the necessity and appropriateness of these procedures can be deliberated, surely all right-thinking individuals wish for a world where such would never be needed. If this news about torture is troubling to you, then you ought to be really moved by a contemplation of the death of Jesus Christ. Think about it for a moment and consider the horrific events and physical torture that led to his death. First, he was beaten with a scourge by Roman soldiers. This beating would have left his back a mass of torn and bleeding flesh. One expert has speculated that the bones of his shoulder blades and possibly his rib cage could have been exposed by sharp bits of glass and metal that the Romans weaved into their whips. He almost certainly was left in a state of shock. We know historically that some victims died from such beatings. Second, a crown of sharp thorns was beaten into his scalp by the soldiers as they mocked and humiliated him. Third, at Calvary he was nailed to the cross by his hands and feet. The pain of huge nails being driven through his flesh is more than we can even imagine. Finally, for six hours, he struggled and suffered on the cross, fighting for every breath of air until he died. As a final act of brutality, a soldier pierced his side with a spear. 
Spend some time trying to picture in your mind the awful, bloody, torturous death that Jesus died, and then remember that it was because of your sins and mine. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Steve Novorak, reminding you to listen to the Virtual Bible Study every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. And we're back on the program tonight. Uh, we sleeping at the switch. Sleep, sleeping at the controls, but uh, awake enough to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, and you can find out more information uh, about this program, find podcasts of recent programs, as well as find a podcast of recent sermons that have been presented to the College View Church of Christ at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Oh, by the way, Jacob, something uh, oh, that we, we do this time of year, every year. we've yes. been doing it for a dozen years, I guess, uh, we've put out a Bible reading calendar. So we're coming up on the end of the year, the start of 2015, and so we have again printed and published a Bible reading calendar for the new year. And yeah, but you, our prices have gone up. We've doubled the price from last yeah, they, year. They're twice as expensive as they were last yeah. year, but they still cost nothing. Yeah. So if you are interested in one of those, if you want a hard printed copy, send us your snail mail address to questions at collegeview.com. Remember, collegeview spelled funny, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E. So send us an email there, questions at collegeview.com, say, and give us your snail mail address so we can mail it to you. But I tell you what I did. Free of charge. Free of charge. But I tell you what I did this year, Jacob. I put a PDF of it on the home page. So all you have self serve. Self serve. Get on yeah. there. You can you can down you can you can open it up open up the PDF and print it off and you've got it immediately. Or you can go there every day and check it and see what you're supposed to be reading every day if you want to. So it's on the website. It's on the homepage of the College View Church of Christ. Very impressive. John Duvall's in the chat room. He is the minister of technology. But you are getting uh, you're giving him a Oh no, oh no. Yeah, I no no I can't hold a candle to John. Okay, but that is okay. I didn't I hadn't seen that on the website yet, the PDF of the reading calendar. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That would be handy as you're, yeah. maybe you're traveling, you left your calendar at home. Yeah, there you go. Go yeah. there and find out what you're supposed to read. Exactly. All right. Or if you want to, we can email you a Word document with it in a Word document. We can or do that, Or you can email the PDF. Or we can Whatever email the PDF. Whatever you need. Whatever you just tell us, man. we got it every we way got, you want it. Got, you want a calendar? we got a calendar. we got a calendar for All you. Right. Okay, quickly, we had some emails on that question about unity and diversity, Jacob. Yeah, all right. Uh, we do. Uh, Ramona in Texas says, no, we can't have unity and diversity because doctrine matters. There's one truth, one sound doctrine, one faith. Ephesians chapter four, verse five. Those who believe and practice it, uh, who, those who believe and practice it, can't have unity. But those who don't should be avoided. She references Romans chapter sixteen, verses seventeen and eighteen. Yeah, we've been instructed to avoid those who are not unified on the matters of doctrine. Exactly. Uh, Chris in UK says patently no. Mm-hmm. There is no universe, un, unity and diversity. Mm-hmm. He offers a number of scriptures, and I'm not going to read them all. 
uh, I'll just reference 1 John 3, 9 and following, 2 John 1, verse 7 and following, uh, 1 Timothy 5, 22, John 8, 32. You just get the idea. He has a whole bunch there. He does. Uh, and, and so he, he agrees, no, there's no such thing as unity and diversity. That's an oxymoron. Brendan in Forest Grove, Oregon says, I'll state what I said last week. Unity and diversity is just as possible as oil and water mixing together. There can be no unity and diversity if by diversity one is meaning you do you and I do me. But in regards to unity and diversity within a congregation, I'd go as far as saying that there is unity so long as there is a common goal of finding what the Scriptures teach. We have members in the congregation at Forest Grove, Oregon, that argue against certain core doctrines and sometimes get nitpick, really nitpicky on things. But I'd say there's still unity because the whole congregation holds fast to conviction to honestly and uh, openly study the, uh, God's Word to find the truth. Uh, that we all know that there is a right and a wrong way, and only God's Word can show us uh, the right and wrong way. Okay. And so I think there is... Uh, Brendan makes a good point. There is some allowance for us to be working towards that uh, that common understanding. Um, Randy in Michigan references what you did, Jacob, Jesus' prayer in John 17, beginning verse 20. Um, and, he, and he mentions, you know, that, for instance, what about believing in Jesus? Uh, there could be no unity and diversity if we are not one with our Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus. Uh, the only way to the Father is through Jesus, John 14, verse 6. He's got several other scriptures, a long answer here. We won't take time to read all the scriptures. He references 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, which we mentioned. Paul told the Corinthians to be of the same mind and judgment. 2 Corinthians 6, beginning verse 14 we're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, and he goes on uh, in, in that passage. Uh, so he, he says, again, the Bible needs to be properly understood. Uh, we need to handle the right, the holy word of God, come to an understanding of the truth, uh, but no unity and diversity. All right. Uh, and so, and back to Brendan's point there, he talks about maybe, maybe some differing views in the congregation. There is some allowance for that as long as we're committed to... We want to be unified. We're not saying, okay, you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, and that's just the way it's going to be. We'll be unified in that diversity, but we've got to be. Yeah. If, if you were to ask, for instance, about the College View Church of Christ, here where we are, does everyone here agree on every topic? Yeah. The answer would be an obvious no. I, I, uh, you know, I don't know, if, I don't know of any congregation where that's true. You know, even if a congregation was made up of me and my wife, there would probably be some things that we don't see eye to eye on on various. Uh, Bible passages, for instance. But that's not to say we're content with that right. arrangement. We're working toward agreement. Uh, right. and, 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 of course, there must be agreement about things that involve us collectively. Right. You know, uh, uh, women, well, preachers, well, <laughs> women preachers. Women preachers. In other words, we got to have unity about that. Because if I think it's okay and you think it's not okay, then how – and we're going to bring one in? Yeah. Then we're doing – what I like, but not what you like. Yeah. Uh, so in things that involve our collective action in a congregation, there has to be unity. Later on in Ephesians chapter 4, right after the passage, right after the instruction that there are all these ones, verse 11 talks about the different uh, roles there are in the church for the, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Look at verse 13. Till we all come in the, to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that tells us that it's a, that's our goal. That's, that's our goal. We're, that's where we're, we all should be pointing. We're not pointing in opposite directions. Say, well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. In other words, all okay. right. Um, 
quickly, we've got to move on. What would be some wrong ways, some wrong attitudes and some wrong <laughs> actions if I disagree with somebody? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I mentioned earlier, Jacob, I think I would put high on my list is I can't just say I disagree with you. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I just don't agree with that. All right. Well, why? Oh, I just don't agree. Yeah. Well, you know that doesn't prove anything. I. Yeah. You know that's not that's not appropriate disagreement. And, and sadly, there are some in the in the church. I'm afraid at times who just want to do that. They yeah. just want to. I, I, just, I, just I just don't agree. I just don't agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I got to have a different position than somebody on something. So <laughs> this is going to be it. I disagree with you. Okay. Yeah. And so you can't do that. If you're going to disagree, you need to be able to show why. Yeah. I think earlier in the chat room, somebody mentioned you got to give your book chapter and verse. And if you can't give a thus saith the Lord, then you're going to have to be still about that. Yeah. You can't just say I disagree. Yeah. You know, on the question of women preachers, I just don't agree with you about that. Yeah. Well, why? What passage did we misuse last week when we were talking about women preachers? And if you can show that we misused a passage, then we'll go back and reconsider that. And, and we could even change our position, but you're going to have to show us. We based our position upon Scripture. Yeah. And so you're going to have to show us Scripture and, and how we misused Scripture before we can recant what we said. Yeah. All right. Chris in the U.K. has a, a few things here that would be wrong attitudes. Pride would be number one. And, and that, that very easily can come into the picture in the mix as we uh, – i gotta sh- I got to show him how much I know about the Bible and, and how right I am and how wrong he is. Pride is definitely something we got to avoid. Uh, patronization. Uh, sort of – and that goes – Talking down to somebody. Sort of goes along with the idea of pride. Yeah, uh, kind of talk – I'm going to – I'm, I'm smarter than you, and everybody knows that, but okay. Come here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and then uh, gullibility, and he goes in, in parentheses, he says, well, if you say it so, it must be true. In other words, uh, don't go into this with the attitude, well, I'm just going to accept whatever he says and be gullible about it. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Uh, Brendan mentions a plea to turn to Scripture would be the number one attitude to have. No, you're on, you're one ahead of him. Oh, I'm one ahead of him. Number three, wrong attitude. Uh, wrong attitudes would be holier than thou, which I believe is the kind of judging that Jesus was condemning in Matthew 7. Another would be treating each other in a non-Christ-like manner. Philippians 127 tells us to always conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of Christ. I think that's right. right. Okay. Um, you know what? Another thing, uh, another wrong thing uh, that someone might do is to judge by appearances. Uh, you know, we, we referenced earlier John seven twenty four. Jesus said, judge not according to appearance, judge righteous judgment. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, don't judge by appearances. I, I wanted to read an email that came in, one of those who disagreed with us last week. And this person said, uh, after I watched the program, I scrolled down to see past programs that you all have done over the years. I was appalled at the fact that it seems you all have done several programs basically bashing other churches and denominations' beliefs. I know the intention of setting up a virtual Bible study are great. However, discussing topics such as how progressives interpret the Bible and how other deno- or, or other denominational doctrines, I don't know if we had a topic like that. Uh, we had one, a church of Christ adds instruments to worship. That's not the way to strengthen others in, in the faith. It just seems flat out wrong and ungodly to judge how other churches live out their faith. Well, of course, we already talked about judging and whether it's right to judge or not, so we won't go back into that. Yeah. But do you see what this person has done? Yeah. All they did was scroll down through the topics listed and judged us to be, quote, bashing the beliefs of others. 
you know, we've had those others that we disagree with on the program, and without fail, they thank us for the time, and, they're, and they appreciate the opportunity to have the discussion. Oh, we did have that one guy who hung up he on did, us. That's only one. Yeah. I mean, we've spent hours with people who disagree with us vastly, and at the end of it, they say, thank you, I, I appreciate the we time. Even, we even got a, a, an expression of appreciation from Shirley Phelps Roper of the Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah. You know, she thanked us for dealing with doctrine with her, you know, yeah. instead of just bashing her. Yeah. But this person said, but I would say one of the things we can't do is what this person has specifically done, and that is judge by appearances. Yeah. That's the wrong thing to do. Another but, thing, but, go ahead, go ahead. I got to get on the, the idea, how does it strengthen anybody's faith when you talk about these issues? Well, isn't that how our faith is, is strengthened by finding out what God wants from us? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Isn't it? Isn't that how our faith is strengthened? By looking to God's word and saying, well, that's what he wants me to do. And my faith is strengthened as a result of that. Yeah, yeah. Real know. quickly, another thing, you can't just let it fester like a like a, an open wound. In other words, if there's a difference, and if, you, if you've taught something that I think is in error, Jacob, I can't just say, well, I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm just going to let it go. If it's error, then it has to be addressed. It and, has to be. And, and I can't just let it, let it fester like an untreated source sooner or later. Typically, sooner it's going to lead to something worse. Uh, another thing is, I, I shouldn't I shouldn't be slandering and gossiping about the person. I should I should take a direct approach to the person. Yeah. Now we already said if it's public teaching, I don't have to go to them one on one. But I don't need to be subversively or divisively gossiping and slandering the person. Go to them. Go with the elders to them. You know, address it head on. But instead of saying, I'm not going to talk to him, but I'll talk to everybody else about him, sure. that's, that's, that would be a wrong approach as sure. well. All right. Excellent thoughts. So we need to take a break. We're running out of time. One more break. When we get back, what are the proper attitudes that we should have when we disagree with others? And then finally, and this is important, how do I react if I'm the one that's being criticized? Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. Take it to the top of the hour right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. From the early 1990s through 1999, just 5% of senior pastors of Protestant churches were female. Since that time, the proportion has slowly but steadily risen, doubling to about 10%. A large share of women in the pastorate, 58%, are affiliated with mainline denominations such as the American Baptist Churches, United Church of Christ, Episcopal, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, United Methodist, or Presbyterian Church. That information is via the Barna Group. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34 says, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it's not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program when we're a foot race to the top of the hour as we took it to, what about disagreeing with others religiously? Well, uh, the, the fourth question sort of overlaps the one we were just talking about, Jacob, or <clears throat> what would be some of the right things to do? Well, the right things to do would be sort of the exact opposite of the wrong things that we were just talking okay. about uh, in large measure. So... Uh, we could kind of go that route. 
But I had a list here. I, I, I wrote a little article about conflict resolution uh, a while back, and I thought these points would fit with this topic tonight. Number one, remember that the truth can never be compromised. Number two, be firmly committed to maintaining peace. In other words, you know, I think some people are glad to have a fight, and yeah. they they just they just itching to divide. Yeah, right. So, but be com- be committed to maintaining peace. Peace. That's our bur- burden from Ephesians four verse three. Number three, take time to sit down with the ones involved in the situation, talk it over. Many imagined problems are simply misunderstandings that can be quickly resolved if we communicate with each other. Number four, consider the other individuals as honest souls who are trying to do what's right. Giving others the benefit of the doubt is a sign of true brotherly love. First Corinthians thirteen yeah. verses four and following. Yeah, you 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 taught that error because you just don't love the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so in other words, that's assuming the worst. Yeah, yeah. Number five, realize that no one has all the best answers. Give others credit with the ability to come up with good ideas and suggestions. Be humble and willing to submit to others in matters where judgment is allowed. Mm-hmm. Number six, seek the input of other faithful Christians. Sometimes others who are not so close to a situation can offer an objective opinion that will be most helpful. Yeah. And number seven, resist the temptation to become bitter and resentful. Mm-hmm. Carrying a grudge is hurtful and sinful. Yeah. Excellent thoughts. Excellent. Uh, well, uh, Chris in the U.K. says we need to have humility, respect, patience, resoluteness, and a strong sense of biblical authority. Uh, um, okay. Uh, anyhow, I'm not sure exactly he's got another parenthetical statement there, but I don't understand it. Okay. Um, and then he uh, then we have Brendan in uh, Forest Grove, Oregon. Says a plea to turn to Scripture would be the number one attitude to have. An example of this could be, well, you could be right, and so could I. But God is God's word is always right. And Brendan's Brendan's got a good point here. We need to have that that tr- if we both will have the desire that we're going to do what God says and God's word is right, then we can come to an agreement. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, so I think all of those would be things that would be in the in the area of the right way to deal with issues. Now, I think we've got to be realistic about this. Issues are going to come up. We, yeah. we, we would like a situation where there were no issues, sure. but issues are going to come up. We've got to know how to handle them uh, and, and uh, handle them correctly. Yeah. And it's not ignoring them or univer- unity and diversity. It's not you do your thing and I'll do mine and we'll all just go to heaven on different roads. That's not that, – that's what men have come to because – I think the reason why men have come to that idea of unity and diversity is because that's the easy way out. Yeah. It's easier for me to say, oh, you go ahead and believe what you want to believe, and I'll believe what I want to believe. And I, we won't, I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, well, and part, that might be because the person who is an er- who's wanting to condemn that error is an error themselves. And so they can't, they can't follow Jesus' instructions of Matthew chapter 7. Of, of not uh, being hypocritical because they're an error themselves, so they don't have any ground to stand on. And so these people who, for instance, the, the church about the women preachers, well, they couldn't <laughs> condemn that if they wanted to and be consistent with what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 because they're an error in so many other er- aspects of their worship. For instance, music, we saw musical instruments in the background there uh, in that video. Yeah. So so if I'm going to be consistent and not be hypocritical in my judgment and I'm doing things that are unauthorized, well, I'll just, I need the, the only logical place for me to go is, well, we got to be unified in diversity because, well, I'm not doing what God says and you're not either, so we'll just have to both agree that we're just going to not do what God says. Yeah. All right. Real quickly in the chat room, Joy uh, says, would it be bashing another 
person or another religion, if a brother laughs at a comment made about another religion, when the comment that was made was true of the other religion, even if it is not scriptural. Uh, Daniel says, James 1, 19 and 20, we should be careful how we respond with our verbal and nonverbal communications. Nick says, sometimes things really do hit our funny bone, but it's not always expedient to laugh. It really depends on the people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, the situation that Joy describes right there, I've been in that situation you know, where someone says something, and, I mean, it just catches you as, as almost comical that anybody would even make that point. But if you realize that they are sincere in making it, yeah. then you kind of have to bite your tongue and deal with it. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, my guess is that every Bible class teacher has been in that situation, uh, yeah. especially adult Bible class teachers. Yeah. You know, you you kind of accept, expect the kids maybe to say some off the wall things in the kids class, but sometimes adults can say things that are just from out of left field. And I have I have actually had uh, chuckled inappropriately because at times we're laughing at somebody's. That, sincere comment. Yeah, and it was a sincere comment, and it should be dealt with respectfully. And so I, th- I, I, I think Nick's answer is right. Did you have to be careful? Uh, uh, all right, all right. So, and, and then uh, finally, how should you react when, if you're the one being criticized? That's that's where the rubber meets the road, Jacob. You know, <clears throat> uh, what if I'm on that end? What if I'm the one who someone says you did wrong, you taught wrong? Uh, now they're criticizing me. It's not me criticizing them. Oh, wow, they're criticizing me. How could this be? They're criticizing me. Well, now I'm on the receiving end. I've got I've to handle it right. Yeah, and Ramona says you should not lash back, reflect on what they're saying, study with them, and pray. Now, that's an important uh, thing. You know, these people could be right, and so by all means, don't have the, uh, you know, don't put yourself on this pedestal where there's no way in the world you could be wrong. Be willing to consider what they're saying. Don't lash back. Chris in the U.K. Uh, says we shouldn't uh, react with the how dare you reaction, how dare you question me. Uh, and uh, he also says we shouldn't have the attitude, we're all good because God has forgiven me. Why can't you? So in other words, we shouldn't just overlook Say, so, you know, just overlook my faults. I saw some points that someone made along these lines, um, uh, and I thought this was a good one. Watch out for pride. Uh, you know, w- one of the things that happens when somebody criticizes us, Jacob, is we're very easy to sort of get our back up, get in a defensive mode, ready to fight. We're too proud to even accept the possibility that we might be wrong. So yeah. watch out for pride. Never misuse scriptures to try to... Fortify your position. Yeah. You know, you're sort of feeling the heat, and so you're going to yeah. twist. You know you're twisting it a little yeah. bit, but yeah. you're going to do it. i tell you another thing along that line. I know 20 preachers who agree with me on this subject. <laughs> that doesn't prove so anything. What? Yeah. yeah. So, so don't do that. Uh, remember that it's not important that you be right, but that you be right with God. There no, you go. In other words, it, it's not about proving myself right. It's proving what does God yeah. want. You know, yeah. that, that's the important thing. Yeah, excellent. Brendan in Oregon says, first, take it with a grain of salt. And, again, I'd make a plea to the person to consider God's word because he – okay, so Brendan's saying someone's coming to you, you're right and they're wrong. He said, take it for the grain of salt and plead with them to consider God's word because he is never wrong. Also, if it's coming from brethren, I know that more often than not that they mean well and only want to help. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, he references. Uh, it is a help uh, when I feel that uh, I have been wrong 
justly criticized. Uh, so Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 is. Okay, thank All you right. for that, Brendan. And, Dan, in the chat room, you you made a comment about uh, needing to be Oh, is that Dan? And that is, yeah, that was, that oh, is Dan that was right me. there. It yeah. looks like a long-distance comment, but it's not. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that you were that Daniel, Dan. Dan, you've talked about how we need to be careful with the way that we come across both verbally and non-verbally. Correct. Yeah. It, uh, uh, you know, our, our nonverbal communications can actually be much louder than our verbal communications, like what Greg was saying earlier about getting in that defensive posture and our back stiffens up and, you know, we, yeah. we kind of, you know, frown our eyebrows and look, and, look and, down at a person and so forth. And, and some people and some personalities are more prone to that. And I, yeah. I know that. I know that personally that, you know, that I, I can let my, you know, my blood pressure elevates, my face gets flushed. And, tone that down. Tone that down. That's not necessary. And so we've got to be careful. The only thing that stands to win or lose here is the truth, not us personally. So right. we need to understand that. All right. Well, good discussion tonight. We're out of time. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for your time. And thanks for our listeners. And thanks to those who disagreed with us and took the time to, to send those emails. We do appreciate those, and we want to hear we want to hear those. Yeah. Uh, and we want to hear from you if you have any suggestions for future editions of the Virtual Bible Study. If maybe, you, again, if you disagree with something we said, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, send us an email anytime, questions at collegeview.com. Dan, thanks for taking time to be here tonight. And thank you for being here on the other end of the line. We hope you benefit from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.